Procrastinating, a term most often used by the millennial generation, is a method of putting something off, delaying, or postponing something by taking part in the act of baking. Baking, a place to talk about our kickin' baking obsession and blow off everything else. Coming to you from cool California, I'm Louisa. And from nifty North Carolina, I'm Rachel. Louisa, have you donned your poodle skirt for this episode? Yes, how did you know? Also, I did not read that line before I read it, so I'm like, once I started realizing that I was going to have to say, cool, I started (laughs) laughing to myself. But yes, I am wearing my poodle skirt. I hope you're wearing yours. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, so what is new, Rachel? Um, you know, not too much. I have been baking a little bit outside of our challenges because summer is sadly coming to an end and that breaks my heart. I know. So I had to make some peach cobbler with your salted caramel sauce and it was really good. It, like um, hit that craving for me, that fresh, that peach craving summer. Yeah, so I was really happy with that. And I found um, this website called Bake Deco, which somebody shared it on Facebook, but it's like a, a baking supply store, but maybe for bakeries because they have like all the fancy stuff like the spray that freezes things onto the cake or the acetate cake collars you see people using on TV. Oh, so I had to play, <laughs> I had to place an order. <laughs> I bought um, some of those cake collars and like a mousse mold. Um, and a couple other things that they had on clearance. So I'm waiting for that to arrive. Fancy. I'll have to check it out. Um, I, we were talking about mousse not too long ago. So I guess this means you'll be making a lot more mousse. Yes. <laughs> Very excited. I'm excited to try it. Lots of new toys. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you had success with that salted caramel sauce. It's really good, isn't it? It's very good. And Randy was here um, when I made it. And he told me that caramel your stuff is one of his favorite sweet treats. So that was perfect. Oh, that's perfect. So you had somebody willing to help you eat yes, it. Yes, he helped me eat it. Um, it's funny because the other day we posted a poll up about, and this is like so controversial now, I think like it's September, but it's not fall yet. But people are like, people are like busting out the fall decorations and the cozy socks, even though it's a hundred degrees still outside. Um, and so Rachel and I, I think are on different teams for this one. Cause you are like, it's summer as long as it can possibly be summer. And I'm like, I'm kind of ready for fall, but I'm not to that extreme. Like I know where I live, it's Southern California and it's hot and it doesn't feel like fall. So I understand it's not time to bring out, <laughs> you know, in your sweaters. no, I'm just more looking forward to like, I'm okay. That summer's ending, I guess is where I'm at. Um, but I'm not like drinking pumpkin spiced lattes early or any of that stuff. So, um, but yeah, so you're a little sad that it's, it's almost over. I am. You and Mike are on the same team. He's ready for fall, but for me, it's like summer until Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. And then we can have fall. But you're so funny too, because then it's Christmas early for you because you love Christmas so much. So yes. Uh, yep. Thanksgiving, summer to Thanksgiving and then Christmas starts <laughs> right after Thanksgiving. <laughs> 
At least you wait until after Thanksgiving. That's another controversial thing. Like when can you put up the tree? Um, yeah, I try for November 1st, but Mike won't let me. <laughs> yeah, I, my family in Honduras, because they don't celebrate, celebrate Thanksgiving, obviously, they have their tree up really early. I want to say like beginning of November. So you are in good company with them, I guess. <laughs> um, very nice. I don't think I've made anything outside of our podcast bakes. We had a lot of bakes for this episode. We um, definitely did. Yeah. But you've been somewhere really cool. I did go somewhere really cool. I went to visit my brother in Ketchikan, Alaska, and um, it was super fun. I just got done telling Rachel a really lengthy story about an exciting bear sighting, (laughs) but I'll just keep it brief for the podcast. So it was really fun. I had really good seafood. I saw a lot of bears. Sometimes they were in expected places and other times unexpected or just, you know, bear encounters we were not planning for. But I've been wanting to see a bear for so long, and I'm glad it finally happened. Like a bear in the wild, I mean. Um, So I'm glad it finally happened. And I think Claudia had a really good time. She seemed just in awe of new places. And yeah, she was, she liked being out in nature, and she seemed to have a really good time. So yeah, it was great. Um, I wish I had longer. My brother is actually planning to go to, oh, where did he say? I'll have to ask. I don't remember the city, but he wants to go see dog sledding. He's going in December. I would love to do that. I was thinking of you when he said that. I was like, Rachel would really like that. Um, So he's going with a friend to go see dog sledding. I can't remember what the name of the town is, but I know it's very cold. But yeah, I had a great time. And then other than that, just been hanging out with the baby. It's really fun. She's like trying lots of new foods. And so today she had strawberry for the first time and she could not have enough. She gets a little hangry though. Like she finished her bowl of strawberry pieces and then was like squealing at me, like angry squealing. (laughs) I was like, oh. Why are the strawberries gone? (laughs) Yes. Is she crying yet? She is. So she's got like an army crawl, which is really funny. We called it her wounded soldier, soldier crawl. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we, we're encouraging her to do like hands and knees crawling, but I think she's just, she's just a really practical girl. She's like, you know what, this, this army crawl gets me everywhere I need to go. So why would I bother doing something else? <laughs> um, so we're not sure if that will eventually evolve into a, you know, a traditional crawl or if that's just the way she's going to crawl. Like that's, I'll have to update yeah, you guys. She'll just start walking from that. Right. Yeah. She's like, you know what? I'm, this is, this is good. It's working for me. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. This, this age is really fun. Cause it's like a new thing every day. So all good. Cool. Sometimes we like to go bake in the day and recreate beloved desserts from a particular time period. This segment is focused on the 1950s. Lou, I thought we'd warm up with a little trivia. I'm ready for some trivia. Okay. What magical California theme park opened in 1955? Oh, I do know this one, surprisingly. Um, Disneyland. Yay. Good job. Um, question number two. I thought this was timely. Um, what disease did Dr. Stark successfully create a vaccine for in 1952? Oh, what's funny is that when you said Dr. Stark, you could tell I'm married to a 
comic book nerd. I heard Tony Stark. I was thinking like Marvel. <laughs> but I don't think here. I thought he sounded like he was somebody off like Star Trek. <laughs> something nerdy. Um, let's see. In the 50s, is it polio? Yes. Yeah. Good job. Okay. Two for two. Cool. Yay. What aspiring rock and roll singer appeared on the Ed Sullivan show in 1956, but could only be shown from his waist up? Oh, I know this one. This is um, Elvis. And I remember <laughs> thinking it was so funny because it was like scandalous, right? The way that he would yes. like, shake, shake his hips. <laughs> if only they could see what people are doing now. Yeah, the twerking. <laughs> Come a long way from Elvis. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, what TV game show first aired in 1956 and still runs today? Ooh. Um, this one I don't really know, so I'll just guess. The Price is Right? Yes! Yay, yay! <laughs> I was like, what old game shows do I know? And that's the one. Yep. I didn't realize it was that old, but yeah, four for four. Cool. And last, Bake the Biscuits was slang for what in the 50s? Bake the Biscuits. Hmm. I can tell you where my mind went. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking that too, but now I'm, it's not that. It's um, Bake the Biscuits. What could that mean? Could it mean like hurry up or? Oh, that makes sense. I don't know. I'm going to start using it like that. Like, let's go. <laughs> um, it means to record an album. Really? Oh, I like that. Bake the biscuits. But I like it more yeah. for like, hurry up, bake the biscuits. Let's go. Yeah, like, let's get going. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I would have never guessed that. That's so random. Yeah, I was surprised by that. And I like that it had like a banking twist to it. <laughs> All right, Dolly, tell us, did your 1950s bake take you to cloud nine? Um, actually, it did. I was very proud of my 1950s bake. So I made a baked Alaska, which apparently was a very popular 1950s dessert. So, and Rachel and I made a baked Alaska years ago. Do you remember how fun that was? That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it was, was it around Christmas time? I think so. Yeah, I I came to visit you in Hartsville. So yeah, I mean, listeners will know that I like anything with like fire and torching. (laughs) So I was already sold. Um, And so I did a bit of a, I cobbled things together and improvised a little bit. That's my goal for this season is to not follow recipes, you know, maybe tweak things to make it more individual when I can. Um, And so I made a really delicious almost like a spongy type of cake mm-hmm. that had a really strong almond flavor. I love anything with almond Ooh. extract. I me almost, too. I almost think I like it better than vanilla. Is that crazy? Oh my yes, gosh. Me too. It smells so good. It smells so good. I don't know. That might be an unpopular opinion, but um, I, right now I'm like team almond. Although I don't know. I talked about, I did talk about the using the vanilla bean like that. That was a game changer. So vanilla bean versus almond extract I guess that could be a battle anyway so I made um yeah the, the cake and then I actually made the ice cream too I made um a non-dairy like coconut vanilla ice cream Ooh. yeah and this the the ice cream also called for vanilla bean so 
that made it taste really rich. Um, I have that ice cream maker that I've had for years that I barely use. So I'm trying to get more use out of it. And yeah, it was super easy. I used like these biscuit cutters to cut out. I made a, a mini baked Alaska. I guess that's important to share because I just couldn't handle oh, having cute. a whole thing. Yeah, it was really fun. I made two mini baked Alaskas. So one for me, one for Raul. Um, and so I, I used like the biscuit cutters that you gave me to cut out the round um, cake base. And then, oh, yeah. Smart. And the meringue is super easy and I enjoyed torching it and I let Claudia watch from a safe distance and she was like really into it. So I think my fondness for fire has passed on, which, <laughs> which I'm very proud of. So yeah, I, it tasted really good. The only low, I guess, is that I realized like when you're using coconut cream, it can separate easily. So it, the the ice cream was like a little bit lumpier in texture than I would have wanted it. Um, but I read troubleshooting and apparently it's very important to get certain brands of coconut cream for this because they're, they're ones that separate easier than others. And I may have like overturned it a little bit, but overall it tasted good. So I was very pleased. That's awesome. I love baked Alaska. That sounds like fun. It was super fun. Okay. So what did you make? So I was inspired by your Texas bake because it was a blue ribbon pie. And so I started looking for people who'd won contests in the 1950s and came across the 1952 Pillsbury Bake Off winner was um, the banana split pie recipe. Ooh. And I figured it's still summer, right? (laughs) (laughs) And um, I don't normally make a lot of pie, but this is, I don't know, it's almost like an icebox pie more than anything. Like we could do this. And I looked up like the history of banana splits and it turns out it was invented really close to where I used to live in Pennsylvania. Really? In yeah. We used to go to La Trobe to have dinner and I drove through there to go to work um, in the early 1900s. So by the fifties, it was really, really popular. And this woman, she made banana split pie, which is an Oreo crust with layers of vanilla ice cream and hot fudge sauce and bananas. And you freeze it. And then when you serve it, you put on the pineapple and strawberries, whipped cream, and caramel sauce. Um, So it was pretty good. I actually left off the pineapple because the pineapple can't go back in the freezer, and it was just me eating the pie. So I was like, well, we'll just put the other fruit and stuff on and just imagine (laughs) the pineapple there. And it was was really good. I can see the pineapple being good with it, but it was still pretty good without the pineapple. I don't know if I would make it again um, because I don't like things that I can't, like, take somewhere. And ice cream things are very hard to transport. So yeah. it was good, but I don't know that it, it's worth the trouble to make it unless I'm having something maybe at home that I'm going to have a lot of people over. Yeah. So it doesn't tra- make sense. It doesn't travel well. Oh, very nice. I really liked the banana Oreo. That was pretty good. I was going to say that's like a, such a good combination that I would have never thought to do. No, me either. I was surprised. It was very good. Yeah. That's awesome. So any. All sweets, no lows? <laughs> so my low was it should probably be a deep dish pie for the amount of ice cream it called for. I think it was like two cups, but that layered with the sauce, it started to overflow in the pie dish. And because it's softened ice cream, like it's melting even more as you work with it. <laughs> like I was trying to like wrap it up and put it in the freezer and it's just leaking all over. So I ended up with like 20 layers of plastic wrap just so I could get to a layer that wasn't covered in ice cream. <laughs> That was a disaster, but it didn't affect the product, so it was okay. That's funny. I'm picturing you. Anytime you have like a mishap in the kitchen, I like to picture you picture you in like an I Love Lucy episode where you're 
<laughs> where you're clearly Lucy and I'm Ethel and I'm just watching from your window with like a judgy face. That's so yeah, fun. I kind of was picturing that when I was retelling it because I had like the frantic music playing in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay, very cool. So I guess we're kind of liking these 1950s themed desserts. Yeah, I had a hard time choosing. Like I found a list of like like takes of home or something put out a list of like 50s desserts that should make a comeback and they all looked really good so I had a hard time picking something yeah I was I was very pleased what's a what's a 50s way to say I was happy it was jiving something jive is that 50s (laughs) I don't know is that 50s or like 70s that sounds more like 70s (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think so like groovy and jiving I think that's like 60s and 70s would not make a good time traveler. Be like, I don't know what people say in this era. <laughs> so funny. Okay, well, I'm glad it was a success. <laughs> movies encourage our imaginations and delight our senses. Some special movies also tickle our taste buds. When that happens, we can't help but try to recreate the desserts they featured. Today's dessert in a movie selection is not actually a flick, but is one fab TV show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Rachel, tell me what you think about this show. I adore this show. I think Miriam Maisel is one cool cookie. This show is super funny. She has drool-worthy outfits, and I kind of wish I could borrow them. (laughs) I would Uh, totally dress like her to go to work. Oh, I agree. Her dresses are so beautiful. Um, and I agree. I really enjoy the show. I love like the, the, um, the costumes and just the set design of the show is really cool. You feel like really immersed in that era. Yes, they do a good job. So it's important to point out that in the first episode of, um, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, she, goes to a deli to order something that she needs for dinner. And then she grabs two black and white cookies that she, I think, gives to her doorman. And we thought that that would be the perfect bake for this segment. Black and whites are sometimes called half moon cookies and are believed to be German in origin. They are puffy cookies and they are frosted half with vanilla and half with chocolate frosting or fondant. And they are very popular in New York. So Rachel, why don't you tell us your experience making this cookie? So I am still most definitely not a fan of this cookie. (laughs) Um, I had a supermarket cookie before that was a black and white and I didn't like it. But when we got this challenge, I was like, you know what? It was probably just because it was from Walmart. Like, I'm going to give it a go. And I just didn't like the soft texture. Mm. Um, I didn't think the chocolate frosting was terrible. But for me, like chocolate you can say about chocolate like you do about pizza. Like it's even if it's bad pizza, it's still pizza. Um, <laughs> Mike tried it and he could taste the lemon that was in the dough and didn't like that. Um, he thought the chocolate frosting was weird, which I just didn't understand that part. But I also thought they were huh. kind of hard to frost because they're so puffy. So you have to like flip them. And then I don't know. I just couldn't get the frosting right. Yeah. I did not enjoy it, but I'm wondering if you enjoyed it or did it leave you feeling frosted? I love all the cheesy stuff. <laughs> I'm having so much fun with it. It's all you're like really enjoying it. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed the cookie, um, which is funny because I feel like for the most part, when we have challenges where we're making the same thing, we're kind of on the same wavelength. But I actually, I actually did really enjoy the taste. Um, I will agree with you though; they are very hard to frost, 
it was a process. Um, because like you said, they're so fluffy, I, you have to flip them over. And my recipe had me do like one, like the vanilla first, let it sit for half an hour, which, you know, it, that's a long time. That's I was getting a little time. impatient and then come back. And after it's set, do, do the other frosting. Um, I will say I, I did read a lot of different, there's a lot of opinions on like what makes a good black and white cookie. And I read this really cool article. I'll make sure to link it where this one girl, I think she tried all, it's like 14 different black and white recipes. My gosh. And she like reviewed each one. And I read her articles like, wow, this is dedication. Um, And she was good about like explaining, you know, well, this one is, you know, a little less traditional because of this, but I liked it more because of this, blah, blah, blah. So I chose to do, um, it's the, what's her name? The Barefoot Contessa. Oh, yeah. Um, Um, I can't think of her actual name, but yes, I know who you mean. Yeah. Who is she? Let me Google it. Oh, um, is it Ina? Ina Garden? Yeah. Yep. That's her. Um, and so after reading the review of that article, I was like, hers seemed like the one that I would feel most confident doing. And I will say I do, I do prefer like chewy cookies, but these were not bad for being soft. And I, I liked the lemon flavor. I felt like it complimented it really well. And once I started eating them, I couldn't stop. I like, I don't know. Yeah. So it's, it was weird. It's like not what I normally go for in a cookie. But it kind of worked. Like, I feel like the lemon kind of helped balance how rich the chocolate was. So mm. it, it kind of worked out for me. So I would actually make them again. Um, they're definitely not something quick that you can make, you know, when you have to bring cookies to something like a, a cookout or whatever. But if you want to, and they look impressive. I like that too. They looked fancy. Yeah, yours were really pretty. Thanks. It's, I had to be careful because I get kind of impulsive and impatient with frosting and stuff. Like I just want to be done. So it took a lot of restraint to not just like slap it on there and call it a day. (laughs) Um, But the end result I think was really pleasing. So I actually really enjoyed them. Nice. Maybe I just had a bad recipe. I don't know. I mean, there's also something to be said, like would I pick this softer cookie over a chewy? I would not because chewy cookies are the best. There's no... (laughs) I mean, come on, there's no negotiating there. But um, but for what it was, I think I think it was really good. All right, procrastination, it's time to floor it and head on over to Utah. Tell us about your search for a dessert from Utah. Okay, Rachel. So Utah, this was strange. I'm sorry to anyone from Utah. I don't mean, I mean, no offense. I just mean like, I didn't really find a lot of stuff from Utah that I wanted to make. I don't know. Maybe I just didn't look in the right place, but I settled on the the pickle pie because that, that was the most like, oh, that's different. And apparently there's this place in Utah. It's the Sun Glow Cafe. And they are famous for making this pickle pie. And (laughs) I, pickles are fine, but I'm not like obsessed with them. A lot of my friends really like pickles. 
Um, my friends, Caitlin and Suzanne, are really obsessed with this pickle popcorn that Trader Joe's makes. And oh. they love it. I tried it and I did not understand the hype, to be honest. But my friend, <laughs> my friend Caitlin buys them by the bags and she just like stocks up on them. Um, so pickle pie is essentially sweet pickles that you are blending or cutting up into what it seems like a very traditional, you know, pie mixture. Otherwise, this was like one recipe that I looked at. So maybe the one, obviously the one from Sunglow is probably different and special, but you know, it had eggs and butter and milk and the spices were cinnamon and nutmeg. And then you're, you're throwing in a bunch of pickles. Um, it was so funny cause I, you know, I was making, I was mixing all the ingredients and everything's looking good and smelling good. Raul's watching me from the counter. And then literally as I'm pouring in the, the, um, the pickle mixture, I could see his face just like, oh my God, you like, <laughs> what are you doing? yeah, he's like, you're ruining the pie. And I was like, yeah, but it's a pickle pie. So the pickles have to go in it. Um, <laughs> let's just say they did <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. You guys, it looked good. I took a picture before I put um, the whipped topping on top because it called for whipped topping. Um, it looked good. It smelled really good. I I would not eat it again. Um, it's weird though. It's like one of those desserts where like, I couldn't stop eating it just to try to understand it. You know? Mm-hmm, yeah. I, I would have a bite be like, I don't like that. But then I'd have another bite be like, let me just try to what you speak speak to me pie Maybe like you make your way through the whole pie then you're a pickle pie fan <laughs> that's the test um i i will say i blended the the pickles and that is way better than doing what the recipe suggested which was to like finely chop it um because what is off-putting to me is when you're having a bite of it and you everything's fine, you know, whatever. And then you, and then you get a chunk of the pickle, a bigger chunk. And it's like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe I messed that up. But if I were to make this again, I cannot see myself ever making this again. But if I were to make it again, I would blend, (laughs) I would blend all of it. Cause what I ended up doing was like 70% blended and the rest was like finely chopped. Um, yeah. So very interesting. (laughs) Did Raul try it? Yeah, and he was the same way. He's like, I, I, I don't like it, but I can't stop eating it. Um, yeah, and my mother-in-law is here, and she is so funny. She's like, we're not going to waste it. We're going to keep it. Maybe we could, like, throw it into a blender or something and make something else out of it. I was like, oh, all right. Well, I guess we could try. So Like they do at um, Cookout, Pickle Pie Milkshakes. <laughs> they have those at cookout they like when you get like a cheesecake milkshake or something they put like a whole slice of cheesecake in there oh I see yeah I guess I don't know I'll have to let you guys know if I'm able to salvage this into some other form but but I think I thought it was very interesting I'm trying to be diplomatic and I'm sure if I ever go to Utah I'm sure there's other lovely baked goods and desserts that I could have there but this this will not be on my list (laughs) to try (laughs) um yeah so yeah, tell me, tell me what you made. Yours sounded way more. Well, so I'm definitely with you on, it was hard to find something I wanted to make. Um, there was a lot of jello and it seemed like a lot of pies, different pies. Um, 
And I'm on Team Jello is punishment, not dessert. So I was <laughs> not about to make Jello. <laughs> um, but if you're from Utah and have the world's best Jello recipe, I would be happy to try it and change my mind. Um, there was a Bayo pie seemed very popular um, bakery, and they have a specialty volcano pie, which there's no recipe floating around the internet as far as I could see. Um, but it was described as layers of sweetened cream cheese butterscotch sauce and hot fudge sauce so wow. i made uh, yeah so sounds good um and you know what? it wasn't bad um it would have been better if i had used either store-bought butterscotch or a different butterscotch recipe the butterscotch recipe i used was caramelly but it was almost like a and i don't think i burned it um because the color didn't look burned but it almost tasted more like burned caramel than butterscotch Oh, no. I feel like butterscotch could probably be finicky to make. Yeah. And that's the first time I've made it, so I'm not sure. Um, but the because it's, you know, just a result, I could get bits of it without the butterscotch, and it was pretty good. I made um, cream cheese with sugar, and um, I was supposed to, well, supposed to. In my head, I thought I was going to, like, lighten it up with some whipped cream, but I didn't have any whipped cream <laughs> or whipping cream, so I lightened it up with some ricotta. Okay. And that was really good by itself. Um so I would just eat that with some chocolate sauce on top of it next time. <laughs> um, and I struggled to make the volcano. Like I put, I forget what I put now, but I put something to hold the place so that there would be a hole. And I layered everything. But I would have to like make a double batch of everything, I think, to get it tall to look like a volcano. It just looked like a road with a hole in it. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> like <a race> <laughs> um, so not not a bad pie, um, especially if the, the butterscotch had worked out. It would have been pretty good, I think. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think in theory, it sounds delicious. So you're right. If, if you can just get everything to flow together, ooh, flow. Cause it's volcano pie. Ooh. Do yeah, you like my pun? There we go. Yeah. Guys, I made a pun. Um, and I'm, my nephew was here. So I got to bake with him and he's in the volcano. So he was very excited that it was a volcano pie. And then because it didn't actually explode, we had to then make, you know, the baking soda and vinegar volcanoes <laughs> the whole day in the kitchen. <laughs> I love that. I know that later on, we're going to talk more about baking with kids in the kitchen because I feel like there's a lot of fun potential there. And I've started following some parents on Instagram that do a lot of baking with their kids. And I find it so fascinating. Yeah, you can teach them a lot very young. So I, I think that's really cool. So I'm glad that Dylan was an eager participant and had some fun too. Yes, he definitely enjoyed it. Very cool. Before we leave Utah, though, I have a few more trivia questions for you. Oh, good. I think I'm ready. So we mentioned that Jell-O is, I think, the state dessert of Utah. Um, so I'm wondering, Lou, what is a popular addition to Utah's famous lime Jell-O? Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, okay, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I think, I don't know, cottage cheese? It's not. I mean, it may be, but what I found most often was shredded carrots. Carrots? Oh, gosh. <laughs> and lime. Oh, Rachel. Are we going to Utah? <laughs> I mean, I think it's beautiful there. There's probably a lot of really yeah, nice, like, hiking and, oh, I don't know about the gel. It's too much jello. <laughs> well, we'll, pay, we'll pack our own food. <laughs> jello and pickles. Okay. <laughs> um. We will have this place, though. What famous fast food fried chicken restaurant got its start in Utah? Ooh, fried chicken. 
Um, oh, I don't know. Popeyes? Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken started in Utah? So Colonel Sanders had a friend who had a cafe in Utah, and they first served his chicken there. And then when it took off, then he decided to start a restaurant back in Kentucky. Wow. I would have never guessed Kentucky Fried Chicken. Utah is such a mysterious place. (laughs) (laughs) And last, um, what is Utah's official state cooking pot? Oh, they they have an official state cooking pot. Wow. Um, (laughs) I don't, I don't know. Like, why can I think of no pots right now? I just, I see pots in my head. I'm like, you know, a pot, like a, um, oh, let me guess, like a cast iron pot. I or, think that's close enough. A Dutch oven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As a throwback to like their pioneer days. Um, that's the pretty Dutch cool. ovens bringing along the heavy duty pots. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Utah is an interesting place. <laughs> we have thoroughly been to Utah. <laughs> for listening to this radioactive episode of Procrastinating. We hope we've provided some food for thought for your next Procrastinating project. As always, the links and photos discussed in this episode can be found in our show notes. Procrastinate with us on Facebook and Instagram while you wait for our next episode to rise. We release new episodes first and third Fridays on your favorite platform. Tune into the next batch of Procrastinating for all things fall with bun cakes and chai desserts and a visit to the home of Thanksgiving. Until next time, stay sweet. This has been Procrastivate. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a good review. You can also subscribe to us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. You can also subscribe to our RSS feed directly from our website at procrastibakingpodcast.com. Also, feel free to follow us and give us your feedback on social media, on Instagram at at procrastibakingpodcast, and Facebook at facebook.com slash procrastibakingpodcast. Procrastibaking is hosted and created by Rachel Rhodes and Luisa Gonzalez, produced and edited by Raul Ceballos, theme music by Alex Walker-Smith, and show artwork by Rob Demers. Demers.